remember there was one time I literally just had no money and a can of tuna in the cupboard and I was like, this is all I have. (laughs) You know, those times were really tough, but nothing ever made me want to give up because I believe so much in what we're doing. It didn't even matter. When you're struggling day to day, are we going to make revenue? Is this business going to survive? Which is basically your first year. It is like intense. So you've just got to remember like when you're in the lows, take yourself out and realise that tomorrow is going to be better. There's something to this pushing back thing and saying no. And don't get me wrong, like I should never have been in that position in the first place where I had to push back and say no. I shouldn't have been treated like that. But at the time I realised the only way I was going to get ahead in this male-dominated environment was by being quite firm and pushing back. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Y2 Podcast, where I interview interesting and noteworthy people to learn about their journeys and specifically look to understand their beliefs, values, mindsets, and the resources they use to get started and succeed in their journey. I'm your host, Dustin Elliott, and today's guest is Gemma Lloyd. Now, Gemma is the Director of Client Engagement and co-founder of DCC Jobs, Australia's only job site, which pre-screens employers based on their policies and initiatives around supporting women in the workplace. At the time of recording, they'd recently won the Victorian Minister of Innovation Diversity Award 2017, Tech Diversity Award winner for the media category 2017, and have an absolutely mind-blowing list of other awards and accolades to their name, all available on their website. Gemma herself is an amazing example of a female entrepreneur who, after facing some negative experiences and facing workplace discrimination, wanted to change the way that females were treated in the workplace. She takes us through all the experiences that led her to start DCC while giving us an insight into the personal journey she went in starting this now award-winning business. Her story is an inspiring one, as I'm sure many people listening to this have faced some workplace hardship, worked under horrible bosses, or even worked at a job that didn't satisfy their passions. We talk about determination, dealing with stress, ways to passively learn, and what it takes to succeed in starting a tech business with no real tech experience. And with that being said, let's get to today's chat. Gemma, welcome to the Y2 podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I really appreciate you uh, coming onto the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I know obviously you've been absolutely flat out. We were just talking before about... Uh, running around Sydney and all that. Uh, big congratulations on your recent winning of the Victorian Minister uh, for Victorian Minister of Innovation Diversity Award 2017 Thank and the you. Tech Diversity Media Category Award of 2017 as well too. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was such an honour, such a uh, worthwhile award. So obviously, we're very passionate about diversity. So to yeah have that achievement was so exciting. Absolutely. Like like we were speaking about before we uh, started rolling today, obviously doing the research about all my guests before they coming on board and the, the amount of accolades that yourself and uh, DCC Jobs is one is absolutely astounding. And I'm really excited today to to go through and obviously unravel unravel your journey a little bit, because like we were talking about before, as much as there's been a lot of awards, it's not always as uh, not always as glamorous at times, <laughs> if you will. So very excited to uh, very excited to um, explore your journey a little bit more today. I suppose the place, obviously, we always want to start is to go back, to go back before the awards and uh, all, all the glamour and all that. Back to your uh, your first entry in IT. I think that was a bit of an interesting story, isn't it? Yeah. So I fell into IT. So after high school, I did a quick stint at uni. Um, 
did actually uh, did a gap year after the first semester. But during that gap year, when I was traveling in the UK, um, I got a job as an administrator at a sales company. And I'd see all these guys and girls out on the field. And I said to the boss, hey, can I go and I don't want to do the admin stuff anymore. Can I do go and do the sales stuff? And he goes, pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, but it was almost these exact words as, no, you're just a young girl. You would never be able to do this. Get back behind the desk. And so me being completely offended, stubborn, you know, and everything like that actually goes, fine, stuff you, I quit. And I walked out and then I walked out of the office. And because I was in England at the time on this gap year, I walked out after I told him to get stuff thinking, oh my God, I don't have a job in the UK and no money. What am I going to do? And then I burst into tears. And then I walked into the, there was a recruitment agency next door to me. And I literally walk into this agency in tears and told them what happened. And this girl, she goes to me, she goes, look, I really like you, Gemma. And I'm thinking, what? How does she really like me? And she goes, I've just started a new job at an IT recruitment company. I'd love you to come for an interview there. So I said, okay, I'll I'll do that. So um, the next day I had this interview and the boss comes out, this managing director, he was actually on TV on the show called Beat the Boss. And he was this six foot five African English guy, you know, big bill and his deep voice. And he sits down, he's like, so Gemma, why do you want to do recruitment like this? And, um, and I go, well, because I want to be a millionaire like this. <laughs> and he burnt this guy and I was dead serious. And this, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, but this, <laughs> the boss, he, his name was Stafford, but he burst out laughing and said, look, I really like you come and join the team. <laughs> so I don't know why these people actually like me because honestly, so stupid and naive. And anyway, I started this job and I was exposed through recruiting all of these jobs that were in the IT sector and this innovation. And I was actually recruiting specifically for GIS consultants. And I was like, this is super cool. I somehow want to get into this industry properly. Mm-hmm. So then from there on, I made a concerted effort when I went back to Australia to get into that direction and yeah, ended up actually in the industry. <laughs> I, I do love how right the game. <laughs> you can kind of look as obviously people learn a bit about yourself and what you've done in DCC jobs, but you've kind of come full circle, haven't you? Whether you probably <laughs> meant to or bit, not, actually. it's come full circle. So yeah. And the jobs side of things. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, Definitely wouldn't burst into tears or do anything like that now. <laughs> Storm out of the room. <laughs> this time we be going, I want to be a billionaire now. Uh, yeah, I want to be a billionaire. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's how I fell into it. <laughs> fantastic. So, obviously, so you, you did that, fell in love, came mm-hmm. back to Australia, um, worked uh, worked a few jobs, but obviously got bit by that kind of that IT bug and obviously, like you said, seeing kind of, you know, what you can do. And um, from there, obviously, what was sort of your first venture then um, in Australia back into back into that field, the start of your career there? Yeah, so back into IT, it was when, so I worked in a recruitment agency as soon as I got back here. Um, and then 
that recruitment agency, it was a great time, but, you know, I didn't want to do recruitment. I wanted to work in IT. So then I proactively actually approached different companies to try and, you know, work there. Um, and I got a job at uh, Clipsal, which was sort of on the way to IT. Yeah. I was their data and communication specialist. So I was actually selling cables to, like, <laughs> to tradies. And, oh, my God, did I go through a tough time in that job, you know, being a young blonde girl and dealing with tradies. That was that gave me quite a thick skin actually and um but I somehow fell in love with the cables and I <laughs> ended up even cabling up uh, Clipsals like they had a spec house and I was like terminating them and you know getting really involved in that and then anyway um because of the environment it wasn't very conducive just to, to women at the time this mm. was you know seven years ago or whatever and um so I went for this job at Optus and uh, it was an account manager for web conferencing and still try, edging my way into IT. <laughs> so was it still that like you kind of had the vision of how you were like... I had the I vision and I was like, here's a step I could yeah. go. And then, um, and then yeah, worked at Optus. And then I finally got a job at Redify, which was a software engineering company. And we were doing, you know, big IT projects for um, enterprise and government. And I was just extremely happy in that job and mm-hmm. it, I yeah loved every single of it absolutely yeah. so so going back to going back to Optus now obviously that was sort of I don't know maybe it's fair to say like your first kind of like mm-hmm. real started getting kind of settled into starting yeah. into the groove kind of thing what did you what did you do at Optus you were I think was it sales so was, again? yeah enterprise account manager yeah. um and yeah that job was um, I learned a lot in that job. I did very well in that job in terms of my KPIs. I overachieved on everything. Mm-hmm. But it was a very challenging time for me because my male peers, um, they definitely didn't see me as a peer because I was one of the few women in the office. And, and how old were you as well too about this time as oh, well? I think I was like 22 maybe. Well, 22, so, so I progressed very quickly because, you know, obviously skipping the uni part I guess Mm -hmm. put me four years ahead of where I was but because I was so I knew what I wanted I'd go for these jobs even though on the job ad it was a you need a degree and x number of years (laughs) of stuff that I can do it so I (laughs) managed to get these somehow convince these people to give me a job (laughs) and um and yeah so I did really well in the in the job but yeah I um was treated not great by my peers and you know they would see me I guess as maybe even an administrator and not as a executive like they were and asked me to go get them coffees and take their notes and things like that and that was my first real exposure I guess to unconscious bias and how women are you know treated differently mm. in the workplace. And how did you sort of obviously as a 22 year old obviously terribly determined as really very very <laughs> determined how did you sort of during those sort of initial aspects or how did you sort of um how did you feel about that? So I went from being very, very determined to very to losing my confidence essentially around my capability and being able to do the job. And even though I was performing really well in the job, I yeah lost confidence in myself and didn't think I was worthy. Um, I got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I need to do something about this. And I started trying to build that confidence up myself. And, and how did you go about sort of building that up? Yeah, so I was reading, you know, lots of books about the subject um even like ones I think there was one like fill the fear and do it anyway but the fear to me was actually speaking <laughs> yeah, up yeah. and you know pushing back so cheesy again it's, it's funny you say I that actually 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's it's great you say that because actually we just uh, we just recently launched uh, Trav Bell, the, the bucket list guy. His interview oh. just came out, and he actually says as well too. He says he he mentioned he referenced that book as well too. Oh, there you go. So that's good. It's come around full circle. I got to put that on my reading list now. But so reading the books, what mm-hmm. else? Yeah, watching like Tony Robbins videos. (laughs) Also, um, setting out my goals again. So realigning myself with, okay, well, what do I really want to achieve, which was so clear in my mind before and I sort of lost sight of that. So I went back to, okay, where do you want to get to in your career and mapping out exactly how I wanted to get there. Um, And so by doing those things, you know, and just telling myself, okay, you know, reaffirmation, you've got to do something. And then it was actually a moment um, and it wasn't a huge thing, but in a meeting and there was, you know, sort of 12 of my male peers and myself and um, the manager, as he usually would said, oh, Gemma, do you mind taking the notes for this meeting? And I was like, no, say, like, I, you know, say something, you've got to say something. And then I was really polite and I put up my hand and I said, I've got a lot of light to contribute. Would you mind if somebody else did it? And another guy straight away goes, yeah, sure, Gemma, no worries, I'll do it. Hmm. And I was like, hmm, there's something to this pushing back thing and saying no. And I, don't get me wrong, like I should never have been in that position in the first place where I had to push back and say no. You know, I shouldn't have been treated like that. But um, at the time I realised the only way I was going to get ahead in this male-dominated environment was by being quite firm and pushing back. Mm. So that, yeah, that got me very passionate about, I guess, the diversity thing and and women and working in male-dominated Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to. I'm curious as well too. That feeling of sort of pushing back had that been something that you kind of always had, but had never really pushed, and finally it just manif- It kind of just bubbled up, and you you said it anyways. Or yeah, it's interesting. I think I had always been well at Optus. I know I was always quite nervous to say anything because I never felt like I was quite you know, on the same level as everywhere else. In the other companies, I sort of had this confidence about me, I guess, that I probably didn't even think twice about saying anything. Um, but after that happened, yeah, it just changed who I was a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I'm curious as well, too, obviously, like we kind of spoke about, you've got a, you've got a, 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 an unbelievable amount of determination. I'm kind of <laughs> curious as well, too, where does that kind of come from? We obviously kind of just jumped into your professional career and obviously that sort of was there. But where does that kind of come from? You know, is that your parents? Is that something you've learned or fostered? No, or? It, like um, I've thought about this and I actually don't know and I've spoken to my parents about this too because my parents they they've always loved me and you know looked after me but you know they're both paramedics they've never been you know super driven or told me about business they wanted me to do high school go to university Mm. all that stuff but I did ask my dad the other day like are you surprised about and he goes not at all Gemma he goes I always knew you're gonna do something like this (laughs) I was like interesting so maybe I've always been stubborn and driven and whatever um but I yeah I really really don't I really don't know. I, I, what I do know is it's always make me happy to do work that matters mm. and um, wanting to, yeah, make a difference. But I, I don't know where that drive's come from. Mm. Um, is that something I'm curious as well too? Obviously, we'll jump around a little bit, but as we'll talk about, you obviously you sit on a number of panels around, specifically around women diversity mm-hmm. and women. Um, I think it was um, what was the one that, I can't remember. I'm blanking on the name. The women in IT. Uh, oh, on the board, um, females in technology. Yes, sorry, that's yeah. the one as well too. I'm just kind of curious, just on this sort of idea. Um, I ask this question a lot to my guests, and in terms of that determination and these sorts of things, is this something that you you think can be is nature versus nurtured? So something you're sort of born and raised with, or something that 
somebody can do to sort of cultivate that? No, I think people can definitely cultivate it. And I don't think I was sort of raised in this particular way at all. I think I was raised very normally, (laughs) you know, not like you will go out and be this determined, you know, (laughs) not at all. Um, So I, I definitely think it can be, you know, it's like, Anything can be cultivated, right? You want to, you know, get fit and go to the gym. You don't, People aren't just – well, some people are, but most people aren't born natural athletes. But you can go to the gym. You can train your muscles just like you can train your brain to be determined, if you know what I mean. Mm. And, so, and what exercises, say, say for the say for everybody listening to this, what, do you, mm-hmm. what sort of maybe exercises do you think that they can maybe do or situations or things ways that they think they can cultivate mm. their own? I think – So the first thing I'd say is you have to have a lot of good things coming in. So that means what I mean by that is maybe listening to podcasts like um, the Y2 podcast, podcast, (laughs) where you've got entrepreneurs on like Gemma Lloyd. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, different podcasts, um, uh, reading different books, watching videos, I think surrounding yourself by other, you know, there's that saying you're the sum of the five people you hang around Mm -hmm. with the most you know, that sort of thing. I think, um, you know, making sure that you're constantly assessing your goals and where you are in terms of getting that and, you know, making sure that you're actually every day doing something that's going to better yourself and and get there. Um, but I think being very clear on what you want. And in my early – I actually bought my first unit when I was 19 and I, you know, got that money actually – I saved it myself. I didn't have any handout from my parents. And what I did to get that – like back then was I actually had a photo of a unit on my computer on my back screen so it was staring mm. at it every day. So having something really like clear I think that you want as an outcome over, you know, whatever you define success as and it's different for everyone. It might not be a house. It can be anything. But um, having that always in front of you. Mm, excellent. Yeah. So going back, so you're um, so you had this sort of um, this sort of shattering moment, if you will, at Optus mm. kind of thing. Um, what happened after that? What was the next step after um, that? Well, after I started pushing back, and um, you know, I became a lot happier. I started. I did actually build my confidence back up to where it should be, and then I thought. Okay, well, I've got enough experience at this Optus place <laughs> and <laughs> and now I actually want to, you know, seek out this IT role that I've really been wanting. And so I went on to um, online and I was doing my research and I came across this company called Redify mm. and Redify had won all of these Microsoft awards and they only, it really stuck out to me because they only hired like the best developers in Australia in the world. Like these developers were, you know, put through tests and everything like that and I was like, wow, that company looks so cool. I'm going to go for it, you know. And anyway, I sent in my application and I didn't get a call back. I rang the HR manager and said, look, can I get an interview? <laughs> and, <laughs> wait, wait, so you just really just rang your cold call rang her yeah. and said, Gemma Give me Lloyd here. <laughs> I want an interview. I was Tuesday looking at 3 o'clock for a chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I did that and got an interview with the HR manager. Wait, first. wait, how did, you, how did you kind of, I'm really curious. <laughs> so how did you go from not getting a call back to managing to get an interview? Do you remember what you said to the HR manager? So, I sent my application in, look, um, I know I don't on paper look like I, you know, probably match all the requirements that you look for, but I definitely believe these things that are listed on here is within my capability. I'm very passionate about what you're doing at Redify. Would you please, you know, give me an interview? She said yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, 
yeah so and that the first stage went really well and she was like oh Gemma you know the the HR manager was like I think you're great and I want to put you through to next stage and then the second stage interview was with the sales director this woman and this woman is one of my closest friends now and she's a professional mentor to me and she's admitted this so my second interview we met at a cafe and I walked up to meet her and she looked me up and down and then she looked at her watch as if to think this is going to be a waste of my time and then we sit down and she's not asking me any questions and I realise at the point she does not, she's not taking me seriously, she doesn't think I can do this job and I was like, but I really want to, so let's turn this around. So anyway, the end of the interview I did turn it around. Do you and remember she how you me, turned it around? Yeah, I started asking her a lot of questions about Redify because she wasn't asking me any, so I was like, well, I can't just start talking about myself because that's weird. So I was like, so tell me, like, what does Redify, you know, do in blah, blah, blah? I can't remember, not what do they do, you know, in that way, but mm. I was, I had some great questions and, oh, I saw they worked on this project on the website, you know, and, sh- and then all of a sudden she's perked up and she started chatting and then she's asking me um, things and, yeah, it was, yeah, just turned around and ended up really great for me. <laughs> And obviously, spoiler alert, you got got it. And then got the job. (laughs) (laughs) Things I love about this too is this is something I see obviously a lot. And we'll probably talk a little bit Mm -hmm. more obviously about DCC when we get on and and this sort of idea. But this, it's, I see this all the time where people, they see these jobs, they Mm -hmm. really want them. They put their, put their CV through, cross their fingers, you know, Mm -hmm. rub the lucky rabbit's foot and then just kind of wait. (laughs) But I love that sort of that the conventional wisdom is, or not, sorry, the, Mm -hmm. the, the prescribed wisdom is to actually go and chase it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of the time people get, they're too scared because essentially you're cold calling somebody and trying to sell yourself. And that can be really intimidating as well too. I suppose for yourself, I mean, obviously we said, you're a very determined person, but Mm -hmm. do you think your previous sort of experience, obviously in that sales kind of environment helped and made it easier or made less anxious to just pick up the call and pitch it? Yeah, definitely. Because I guess, you know, I would have been rejected so many times. So through the sales process, so it's like kind of like nothing. And in sales, you know, you have to pick up the phone and make a cold call to get the result at your job. So, um, yeah, it was. I would say it would probably would be easier than somebody in another profession. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious too on that sort of rejection aspect. I think that is so big because I think again back to mm-hmm. this sort of job, whether you're doing sales or putting yourself out there or you're trying to, you know, pitch something, anything. How do how do you do you remember how you kind of dealt with the rejection or how you kind of felt with that rejection in your sales job? I don't think I ever let it bother me at all. Um, actually, DCC, now it's my own company. If there ever is a rejection, I'm like, what? What? How could they say they don't know what they're doing? What a bunch of idiots. Like, we have the best thing in the world. Um, but I think, yeah, in the sales side, I've never let it really get to me I mean obviously there's been times of disappointment if I've worked really hard for something or spent hours or days even tendering for for work and it hasn't come through but you know it's just part of part of the job yeah yeah absolutely I know that's as we kind of as I try to explore a lot of the themes with um, many of the the entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs on this is obviously rejection is just Mm -hmm. part and parcel of it right but Mm -hmm. I think so often people People fear the rejection, or they or they they fear the perceived rejection. I think the situation will happen when they get rejected. That it almost they just don't start, they don't try. Mm-hmm. And I think it's amazing that if, if you, obviously rejection is real, you'll get rejected. Um, mm-hmm. But trying to sort of reframe 
the idea around it and mm-hmm. trying to, I can't remember what it is. Uh, there's a really famous quote that I love that I'm actually completely blanking on now, but it's that um, I've, it's, it's a, it's a, it's like Aristotle or something like that, but it's like, I've, I've feared a thousand deaths, but I haven't lived a single one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Something about that, you know, you've got all these different ideas, how it'll turn out, but it, it kind of doesn't. So mm-hmm. I find that's, that's really interesting as well too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So obviously, so you're at Redify for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we kind of spoke about, you sort of had a bit of a breakup moment at Optus, but then there was some key people at Redify, mm. which started to obviously help and sort of take you to that next level. Yeah. So my manager, um, Rosemary, um, was a woman and my manager's manager, uh, her name was Faith, was a woman. And it was the first time I'd had female bosses and that I ever saw myself actually being able to really progress into leadership roles because before that it had just been all old white guys literally that were <laughs> up the top of the chain and that's what a boss looked like to me because that was all I had and then seeing these women in those roles I was like wow like I you know I can do this um I can get there too and then that company in itself it was so diverse in terms of culture in terms of age gender everything it was inclusive um you know people were themselves when they came to work Mm. and I have never been happier any other workplace and you know the guys you know a couple of them really took me under their wing and one of them would give me training sessions technical training sessions every week out of his own time and yeah it was just it was such a happy time for me there Mm. So I suppose, um, were you seeking a lot of that stuff out while you were there, sort of as you kind of got into it and got comfortable to sort of seek all those resources Yeah, probably, out? yeah, yeah. would have, yeah. Excellent. And um, through that, um, obviously you were looking for, for that leadership sort of mentoring. Were there any sort of key lessons that you, um, you sort of picked up at that time that kind of still stick with you today? Yeah, I think um, I've learned a lot from Faith in particular. Faith, um, the way that she makes you feel so motivated but at the same time she's very direct in her feedback so um, (laughs) it's sort of like management lessons almost because you know I remember sitting with Faith and being so in awe of her sometimes and being like oh my god how does she do what she does she's so amazing and then sometimes she'd sit down with me and she might go like Gemma you know you need to step it up here and here and here and I'd be like yep on it like straight away but she wouldn't beat around the bush and then I you know then I would do it and I was like but I just had so I was in had so much respect for her um I think that was the biggest lesson around how to be a good leader I guess Mm, Mm. absolutely and I suppose for yourself as well too sort of just kind of as looking back on it as well too um is there sort of is that kind of a, a theme that you maybe give to other other people out there sort of going through the same journey just in terms of trying to find those inspirational leaders mm-hmm. in their organization? Oh, definitely. I think you you need them. Um, inspirational leaders within your own company. If you can't find them within your own company, seek them from outside. Um, you know, go to different industry association groups or, you know, there's different mentoring programs. But I think it's a critical part in helping you progress in your career to have other people to talk to or serve as inspiration or bounce ideas off of. Mm, mm. Um, now, obviously, those times at Redify, unfortunately, did did come to an end as well, too. And you took a bit of a, a bit of a left-hand turn after that, didn't you? A left-hand turn. <laughs> I went to a company. There was more money. I thought it was a better opportunity. Mm. And, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I left a, company, a job that I loved and uh, ended up back in a, you know, quite a boys' club 
type environment and yeah it was yeah it was very very different to what I was used to and I remember like they had you had to be in the office nine to five and I remember walked in and you weren't allowed any photos on the desk or anything the walls were literally brown it was like soul destroying and (laughs) all of the management team all old white men you know like all play golf on the Friday uh yeah (laughs) so what was it sort of like once you kind of got back in there and saw the brown walls and no pictures like what how did you feel when you first kind of I, got felt into re- it? I felt really down actually I was quite yeah quite down when I was working there thinking oh my god what am I doing and because work is such an important part of my life so to be doing work that I don't love it does affect me um you know I want to go into work and be excited and love what I do um so so yeah I really didn't like it and then one of the turning points for me was where I was like, I've got to get out of here, was when I had a client meeting and it was a senior executive for this big company and I walked into the room and he goes, oh, so I guess your company just hires pretty young blondes like this. Mm. And um, I didn't say anything at the time. There were three other guys there, one of them I worked with, two that actually worked with the client. And I went back to my manager and I said, this is just what's happened. What should I do? And he goes, don't do anything. You'll ruin the relationship. And I thought, well, I have a fundamental problem with that and I shouldn't have to go into work and put up with that. You know, people's making comments like that of me when I've worked, you know, my butt off to get here and it's not because I'm a pretty young blonde or what have you. And so after that and um, – sort of I think the idea for DCC came brewing from working at this amazing (laughs) company and then yeah working at these boys clubs um and also being on the board for females in technology where they have 4,000 members in that group and I met all these other women it was the same challenges so yeah that's essentially where the idea of DCC came about. So was it was it a sort of like a, a spark moment or was it just sort of like a gradual realization to go, okay, here's this amazing organization. Mm-hmm. Here's all these sort of underlying principles that we talked about and how awesome it is. Here's an organization you've gone into now, doesn't have that, don't want to work here. And then obviously having those conversations. So was it, was it just like lightning strike moment where you thought, oh, I've got an idea or yeah. how did that kind of come about? I think it was, it was like it feels like it was a lightning strike moment where I was like oh this idea's come up but then I guess it's the same thing you know you, I don't know if you've heard the term there's no such thing as an overnight success yeah. these things are built over yeah. years so that idea was built over years of going through what I went through you know to have that light bulb moment I guess absolutely yeah. I think that's what this podcast is all about too yeah. that many people just all of a sudden yeah look at the pinnacle and go wow here's this amazing person and they're just so incredible <laughs> and look at all these awards they've won but <laughs> once you start to crack on too there's there's a story there there's a journey there's hardship there's challenges mm-hmm. there's battle there's defeat there's you know uncertainty but it's the culmination of all that the tip of the iceberg that try to peel away at it so um so you sort of had this sort of semi-lightning strike moment <laughs> semi-realization what was what was the uh um, how did DC, how did you get the ball rolling on DCC? Is it? Yeah, so I just I think I might have actually I know what I did. So as soon as I had the idea and I was absolutely in love with it, the, I went onto Airtasker and I booked someone to design me the logo. Came up with a name. They designed me the logo. <laughs> And this is just how much I didn't think things through. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to do this. Design me the logo. And then I think I registered a business name. And then I was like, okay. So, and then I did research around 
white labeling existing job platforms Mm -hmm. and I found one um, that I could white label and I you know was thinking looking at all the designs and everything and they were all disgustingly ugly the ones (laughs) that I because I'm not a designer and I was like yeah coming up with all these ugly designs and I rang who is now my co-founder, and I said to her, hey, look, I'm starting a business. I've got this idea. You know, Can you help me with some marketing and design stuff? And she goes, oh, my God, I love this idea so much. Can I do it with you? Hmm. And I was like, yes, you're amazing because I would known her from working with her before. So we just went, yeah, 50-50 in on the idea. And, uh, yeah, we just kicked <laughs> off from there. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious as well too. As you're doing the research in terms of like, like looking up like you know platforms to white label, was was this just like open up Google and, and like how did this you was like it? Google, yeah, open up Google, and <laughs> I don't think much assessment went into it. Actually. <laughs> I was pretty gun ho because I was so frustrated that with my current situation and then so excited by this prospect mm. that I could help other women, you know. So it was this combination of perfect storm that made me go, right, I'm doing this right now. So it was really not much thought put into it at the beginning, um, but obviously it's worked out really well. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I know like we spoke about for the podcast on, I mentioned uh, Rohi Bhagava's recent mm-hmm. interview where he talks about there's a certain level of knowledge and backing <laughs> and then there's also a certain amount of nativity, mm-hmm. na- nativity as well too that's required yeah. as well too. So it sounds like you had a pretty good mix in terms of like how hard can this be? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely was very naive around what doing a business would involve. Actually, when I was, I think, 22, I wanted to develop my own iPhone app because I had another idea and I offshored it to India to develop this app and it was like... Tell us what the app was? Yeah, it was for stores, um, for consumers to know where, what sales were on in the local mm. stores. I know there's millions of things like that. But anyway, um, and I actually went around all of the stores and I go, I'm doing this app. And I got all these like pre-orders to wow. sell their clothes on it. But the company that I hired in India just, uh, they just developed a shocker of a shocker of an app. So it, just a few thousand dollars down the drain, obviously didn't grow anywhere. Yeah. Um, so um, I should have learned from that gun ho experience to look at, to do more research, but I didn't, and yeah, I did the same thing. But it has worked out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you have you? I suppose this idea of entrepreneurship and starting a business is this something that you kind of always wanted to be or to mm-hmm. do? So it was always kind yeah. of the back of your mind that. Always, like I always uh, was fast, absolutely fascinated with it. I think ever since probably, I reckon. Optus, I think something in something, um, maybe even slightly before Optus, but yeah, definitely always been inspired and wanted to do something, but just never really knew what that thing was until DCC. And what was sort of what sort of interested you about the entrepreneurship journey? I think um, I've always <laughs> been a little bit like uh, wanting to do my own thing and wanting to call my own shots. Definitely. I've always wanted to be successful in some way and success to me now is different to what it was back then. But I think at the time success was, you know, making all this money and everything like that. And, um, so there was those that wanting that autonomy and being successful, I guess, made me originally, uh, obsessed with the idea of entrepreneurship, but then actually, 
the times have changed a lot and now it's really about the change that I'm creating for our customers, for our employers um, and success really means so many, I think, so much more than what I thought it was back then. <laughs> yeah, Money and vacations. Money and vacations, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, so you get your co-founder, the early stages mm-hmm. of DCC was there, mm-hmm. but obviously you didn't just... No. Quit your job and go for it. Can you <laughs> take us through the sort of that once you've got the logo, once you started to have the idea? I mean, how does somebody with, as we said, you know, I, actually, I think we've talked, we haven't talked about, but you, you don't, you don't actually have a formal d- degree. You don't have any like IT mm-hmm. degree or anything like that. I mean, you only have, not only, but I should say, but I mean, you don't really come from that sort of technical expertise. So no. how does somebody, um, with no sort of technical expertise, how do they sort of start to develop it? A lot of Googling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of I Googling. love this, yeah. <laughs> Just Google it. It will tell you what to do. Um, but, yeah, no, that's really what it was. I, Valeria, my co-founder, and I both just did an immense amount of research whilst sort of – so we white-labeled the job platform so we didn't have to build that from scratch. And then we were just, yeah, doing our research at the same time. How do you set up a business? Um, we worked full-time while we started the business as well. So, so when were you working on the business then? Obviously having to be at the opposite 9 to 5. Yeah, um, late at night, um, lunch breaks, early morning. Mornings, so literally, God, I don't think I had any hardly any sleep. Three, four hours sleep during those times. Um, it was very, very tough. Weekends were just completely taken up, um, and yeah. So, but because I was so driven by the mission of what I was doing, it didn't matter to me. Um, and yeah, and then somehow we managed to pull this thing off, build it. We launched. We found we officially founded in February. We got everything. We got proper legal, and we got all the term sheets set up. So we did everything properly, researched how to do it, and and then we launched the website in May, um, and then yeah, and then we actually made revenue the first that in that financial year, first month of three thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, so yeah, wow, three thousand and four dollars actually. So I mean, how did so so you, you get the you get the product you get you get the website up and running kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose just for listeners that they haven't obviously looked at the website, can you just give us a quick kind of synopsis of what DCC uh, is? Just sure. For context. So so it's a job platform, but we only advertise companies committed to supporting women. So we actually pre-screen the organisations before they advertise with us, and we reject about ten percent of companies who apply. Um, and then about of those rejected, about 80% actually go on to improve their policies and things like that. So, yes, we're a job platform for women only advertising the best employers. But on the flip side of that, we're driving social change by the employers who are rejected having to improve. And a lot of them do because there's no stronger business case taking it back to your executive and going, we can't even pay to advertise. We need to do something here. Yeah. Absolutely. So how do you, obviously, it's a, it's a dual-sided marketplace where you yes. need the candidates, but you need the, the jobs. Mm-hmm. How did you sort of, how did you get the ball rolling there? So what we did is we set up a flagship, what we called at the time, a flagship group. So we had five companies come on board. We gave them, uh, we let them advertise with us for free. And that got us jobs on the website. And we got a variety. So we got someone in uh, the legal sector, someone in technology, someone in oil and gas. I think we had someone in finance, yeah, someone in finance and retail, I think the fifth was. So across the board. And then that gave us the variety of jobs. And then we started trying to attract the candidates, the job seekers to the mm. website, which 
is very, very, very hard. That was mo- that was a lot more challenging than I actually thought it would be. I thought it would be like, hey, you just like put some money on a sponsored Facebook post and <laughs> they're all going to come flooding. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it's a lot more than that because, you know, online digital channels are absolutely flooded. Mm. There was also a lot of skepticism as well, like, is this just a job platform with a woman-friendly badge on it, you know, and they're not serious about it? So we had to really prove to the market that we were serious. But we did get results, I think, fairly quickly, actually, because I remember Origin Energy, uh, within I've forgotten what month it was, but it was within the first six months, maybe even first three months of us launching, we're interviewing a woman. They said, why did you apply for this role? And she said, when I saw you were on the DCC website, I knew you were committed to supporting women, which is exactly why I applied. Mm. And so that messaging was getting out there very early. And I think um, because of our connections in IT and things like that as well, that also helps spread the message. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that part is really important too, that um, mm-hmm. I know speaking to you know people who are early in their journey in entrepreneurship and, and mm-hmm. quite, quite well on as well too, really, really realizing that everything you've done up to the point, all the networks, all the contacts, mm. all the people, um, if you have a really strong, compelling why to be able to go back to those individuals and to be able to just pitch it. And all of a sudden you, you might think you're on your own with an idea, mm-hmm. but there's actually could be a whole sea of people who already know you, who like you, who are engaged with you, who believe in you, they'll back you. You just have to have the courage to be able to go ask. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm curious as well too, for the five <laughs> the five businesses, the flagship, did you just literally just cold call them again and just say, hey, I've got this idea? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think, do you know what I think we did? I think I actually linked in them. I, con- I reached out on LinkedIn. Really? Yeah. And then got meetings with them and they said, yeah. Just thinking you on your lunch breaks too. Yeah, while I was on the lunch breaks, yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Gemma. Yeah. No, but, but yeah, I think because the companies that we contacted, we had done our research, they were companies that were very committed to supporting women and diversity. Mm. They were passionate about it. There was n- There's nothing really in the market that does what we do. So I think they were like, this actually, these girls, you know, this company, not these girls, are very genuine about what they're doing. You know, this is something that we do want to associate ourselves with. Um, and yeah, somehow manage to convince them like I do with everything just convince people to come along on the ride yeah <laughs> but it worked it's yeah it worked out well for them as well and for their brands yeah absolutely now obviously we know as I spoke before you were about to face a really big challenge because obviously GWS you're nine to five mm-hmm. you're trying to grow this brand probably running out of hours in the day probably two hours of sleep is probably about right for this point so how did you how did you finally make the decision at that point to 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 take the leap essentially Mm -hmm. as soon as we had enough revenue um for me to quit my job so I quit first um that was when I did it because it was absolutely killing me like I wouldn't say it was actually the lack of sleep that was killing me it was the fact I was spending eight hours a day working on something that I didn't really care about Mm. it was tearing me up inside and I'll be sitting there almost resentful like working every day like I just want to be working on DCC so as soon as we had enough which I went from a big six-figure salary (laughs) 
to $45,000. <laughs> it was painful, but I, as soon as we had enough to pay myself that 45K, I quit my job. I rented out my apartment. I moved to Melbourne to live in a share house, um, yeah, in Brunswick and completely changed my lifestyle. Um, yeah, and it was, it was very, very tough. <laughs> Did you have any second doubts about, about when you were kind of, you know, about to put your notice in to go, oh, I don't know. Not about to put my notice in. Um, I think there was there was definitely it would have been a couple of times where I was really struggling financially and like I remember there was one time I literally just had no money and a can of tuna in the cupboard and I was like this is all I have <laughs> and, but um, you know those times were really hard, t- tough but nothing ever made me want to give up because I believe so much in what we're doing it didn't even matter and my co-founder was exactly the same Mm, absolutely I'm curious as well too obviously um with sort of what you do in the business and obviously um seeing the impact and especially mm-hmm. you said you have these groups of people you're surrounding yourself with talking about who had sort of shared the challenge as well um were you did you put anything in play to sort of help to to sort of drive you through those tough times beyond just what you were trying to do with the business but any sort of feedback mechanisms any groups any people any sort of resources they used to sort of help sort of you know also to use while you're enjoying mm. your 75 cents in your <laughs> um well I'm really lucky I think I've got really good friends and I'm really close to my family so I would often like call my dad or my mom and just say like this is really tough I think they bailed me out a couple of times with bill payments and things <laughs> in that um which was good um my co-founder as well like both of us um, you know, we'll call each other and sort of just be there for each other. And we have, you know, it was a very, or is very open, honest, trusting, you know, transparent type relationship. Well, where and even if it's one of us is down, the other one sort of picks them up. So it was a we have a very good dynamic in that way. Um, but I didn't at the time, I think, do enough to sort of manage, you know, maybe stress levels or anything like that, um, which I think is really, really important. Sometimes you find yourself, you know, stressed about work and you think the answer to solving your work stress is by doing more work Mm -hmm. because then you're getting more done. But sometimes the answer is actually just to take a step back take half an hour, an hour out and then come back to it later or, or, you know, not do anything but have some chill time to yourself instead of just being this machine that thinks to be successful I just have to work, 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 work. Um, Do more, do more, do more. more, Do more, do more. But then actually counter to what I've just said, I'm just going to contradict everything I've said (laughs) because I think about this a lot and I often think, okay, if I didn't have that do more attitude, and you might be able to school me on this, but would uh, I have been actually as successful with the business as I have been now Mm. because I was working like such an animal and maybe it was the fact that I was like that crazed, obsessed person that only did that work, that's why it's so successful now, whereas if I had been like, no, take time out, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe I would have been more productive in less time. No, I think this is really yeah. interesting, though, too. So I'm going to get out my, 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 my soapbox for a second and okay. pop on. Because um, as my listeners know, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss. And one of the questions mm-hmm. he asked to these hugely successful people, I mean, you know, the pinnacle of success in industries and, and sports and all that, is what advice would you give to yourself in your 20s and your 30s? And one of the common themes is relax, just take it easy, soak it in, don't be in such a rush kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting, this sort of dichotomy that you go, okay, well, if they did go back and they did relax, would they actually (laughs) be at the pinnacle they are now? And I find it's a real sort of conundrum to go, okay, 
how do you strike the balance in that? But I think mm. the way I rationalize it in my head is to say, okay, it's still about trying to be in the moment as well too, and not to. And I've seen I've seen people do this where they go. If I do X, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. They're not enjoying the journey, regardless mm-hmm. of the amount of work it's taking as well, too. So it's always when I do this or when we get to this revenue or when I get to this sort of point or this big, then I can kind of relax kind of thing. But they haven't sort of cultivated mm-hmm. more of that in the moment sort of present state awareness of of the journey as well, too. And then in that, maybe sort of like I said, then to be able to go, okay, I'm not being as efficient I'm not enjoying this. Maybe I do need to actually take a moment kind of thing instead of just mm-hmm. grinding harder because I've I've seen it even personally where I've seen people around me that have, have that attitude and you end up kind of looking at them as a fairly rested individual that I like to be <laughs> and going, what are you doing? Like, you, they're kind of just running around in circles and you're just thinking like, hey, just take a break, chill out, relax, mm-hmm. and then you'd be so much more effective. But yeah, yeah it's a very, very interesting conundrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose obviously in those early days, one thing too, obviously, besides the um, besides sort of helping to manage stress and, and get through that, was there any other sort of lessons that you picked up in those early days which were so important for yourself that have kind of shaped you now? Mm, um, Well, one you just said, actually, which is enjoying the journey. So that's definitely one big lesson. The other one was um, surrounding yourself with good mentors or getting an advisory board on really early. Um, Just don't be afraid to ask. Someone is always willing to help you. And um, so don't, yeah, if you need that help, just reach out. Um, I think... The other thing is too, like looking at the big picture, um, don't be so caught up in what the day-to-day is. You know, if you're ever stressed or whatever it might be, just look at the overall goal and realise that what ma- what might seem bad right now or today is actually going to be gone tomorrow <laughs> and everything tomorrow is going to be awesome because when you're an entrepreneur – you know, it's like, everything is awesome. We're so eager and excited. Oh, no, shit, what am I doing? Oh, my God. And then everything is awesome. I'm really excited. And then, oh, no, that's like, I think, the first, like, year of entrepreneurship. And then it does, well, it has definitely balanced out for us where it's just, you know, um, yeah, everything's running. But when you're struggling day to day, are we going to make revenue? Is this business going to survive? Which is basically your first year. It is like an intense. So you've just got to remember like when you're in the lows, take yourself out and realize that tomorrow is going to be better and surround yourself with good people. Mm. Did you cultivate any sort of like routines or we've kind of talked a bit about the practices, but anything Mm -hmm. you tried to do on sort of a regular basis? So um, to sort of help kind of manage that or to help like even that perspective that sort of exercise you took us through was that something that was more just kind of a, a cool down moment for yourself or was that something you tried to do every so often or like on a pattern or routine or something yeah well so I do I think I do like quite a lot of things like that I mean reading for me is a big like calm down um also um like things like yoga or doing like gravity float. I also use that headspace app. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Huge fan. I just hit five five thousand meditation. Oh wow. So, Did you? Yeah. Oh that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, you're doing better than me. But I flip <laughs> I used headspace, which really helped and I tried calm, didn't really like it. I preferred headspace. But there's all sorts of things, no matter what the app, um things that you can do like that. You know, you just gotta find your own groove, I guess, whatever works for you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. so obviously you go through these challenges starting to struggle to make payroll kind of thing when did you um when did you start to kind of when did that sort of begin to kind of settle down in the business I think it was around 
maybe November 2016 or December 2016. Um, that was where, you know, things, well, look, this year, this year, last financial year, sorry, has been a really good year for the business. Um, it might have even been more around September, October, and we were just having regular revenue coming in every month. We, you know, were very profitable last financial year, which was really good. Um which takes just a massive, massive weight because off my shoulders because it's not just like if I can't eat, like I can deal with that. <laughs> if our staff can't eat, I can't deal with that. So <laughs> that was really tough. But, yeah, it was it's, Yeah, this year has been a really good year for us. Absolutely. I'm curious as well too, just to kind of go back for a sec as well too, obviously DCC for what it's involved to now, obviously it's quite – Quite a bit, but um, mm-hmm. was there sort of uh, what is sort of the evolution in terms of how how the original idea has begun to sort of evolve? Obviously, it mm-hmm. wasn't a full. I'd imagine what it isn't what it was today <laughs> when it first started, kind of thing. Did you? No. How did you sort of go through that evolution of in your thought about trying yeah. and failing, not as a business, but through little things and getting feedback in that process? Well, there's lots of little things like putting things out to market, see if it worked. Like it took us ages to get the right pricing model. So sometimes our pricing would be like way too much and then we'd find like we put pricing out and things were like going like crazy and then Mm. we're like, okay, so somewhere between this and this is somewhere in the sweet spot. So we changed our pricing quite a lot in the first year to sort of realise what – yeah, it was okay with employers and that sort of uh, gradually changed. Also, our criteria process and how we assess employers has changed dramatically as well. You know, things being added on um, and really tightening the noose, you know, around what how the employers do. Because when we first launched, we were a bit like nervous around, oh, we're assessing the employers. What if they tell us to get lost? Mm. Um, so slowly as our brand is built, we've managed to add our stricter criteria and to be able to work with us, which is really, really good. Um, other evolutions, I think, I don't know. Um, you just become so much more like – smarter around how you go about things and where you spend your time and I think there's always so much stuff that you can be doing in the business but then you always have to bring it back to like am I is this well what I always bring it to is this um contributing towards the company's main mission and is it making the company money and if it doesn't align with those two things then I you know table it or put it aside because there's things coming at you all the time. Mm, absolutely. Is that something you do in like a regular practice to sort of you and your business mm-hmm. partner sit down, see where things are at, look at different ideas or kind of the next iteration of something and go through that process? Yeah. Yeah, we do. So we have like quarterly uh, what we call rocks and they're like goals that we want to achieve for that quarter. But we also have weekly team meetings and things like that. Um, but yeah, on a from a personal level, I need to do that because I get caught up with like everything and I want to like check everything all the time. And I want to just sit there looking at the Google Analytics, like the numbers like tick up. Oh, I, oh I'm yeah. obsessed with it. Oh. Like, stop, Gemma, this isn't making you money and it's not <laughs> contributing to your mission to stand at, stare at it right now. <laughs> Sorry, I got the same thing as well too. I'm happy to admit this now. We'll a few episodes into the podcast, but I'd be lying if I sat in and check my downloads. Statistics every day and maybe go like, "Oh, that was a spike." What it was happened? <laughs> Troll through social media trying to figure out where I popped up, kind of things. So, yes, yeah. yeah. 
topic. I'm curious as well, too. One other thing I want to sort of just uh, spend a few moments on before we sort of transition onto the next stage is mm-hmm. obviously we spoke about you're going through obviously a fundraising fundraising round as mm-hmm. well, too. And one thing I'm, I'm particularly interested in as well, too, is somebody who has rather just been, you know, researching and sort of figuring out as you go as well, too. How have you gone about um, picking up that particular set of skills, mm-hmm. um, especially in this part of the stage of your business, to be able to obviously go to that next level? I mean, do you Google, like, how to approach investors yes. or, like, how to evaluate, evaluate <laughs> your business kind of thing? How did you go about that process? Well, I think I'm at a slight advantage probably because – for the last however many years I've been obsessed with entrepreneurship so I actually have been listening to podcasts on entrepreneurship for the, for quite a long time and Any reading particular books. key ones that you want to Well, apply? I listen to This Week in Startups yeah. and um yeah, and I also when I launched the business there was another podcast called Founder which um is mainly good um but that launched at the right I think it launched at the same time or just before but that actually, that podcast, got, I was so not knowledgeable, I think, with a lot of things. That podcast really helped me. So it was like years building up of just consuming this different knowledge. Mm-hmm. It helped me, yeah, navigate investors. When we first launched DCC back in May 2015, I thought we would need investment to get it to where it is. And I did go out and I saw was speaking to investors and we got rejected like, you know, of course, as, you know, um, people saying this will never work, it's just a jobs board, you're just two young girls, what do you know? <laughs> um, I also yeah, went and saw a male investor and he asked me if I wanted to get a hotel room with him. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I was like – and then after that and I obviously said no and I was like this is just the most sickening thing ever, Take it, trying to take advantage – you know, of the situation. And, um, and then after that, I was like, well, stuff these investors, they know nothing. We can do this on our own. <laughs> and <laughs> we built it up to where we are now. And now we're at the t- point where we've got customers going to us, hey, we, lo- we need what DCC is doing in Singapore. We need it what they're doing in UK because we deal with a lot of global companies. So now we need capital for that global expansion. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to say as well, too, one thing that um, I can't remember if I've talked about on the podcast, but something that a bit of advice that got I got that um, was extremely probably one of the most probably one of the impactful bits of advice I can kind of reflect that as well, too, is it's never really too early to start, even if you mm-hmm. don't necessarily have the idea. Um, or you don't necessarily feel you've got the skill set. It's just about still trying to surround yourself with that because what you're sort of passively picking up and downloading from podcasts mm-hmm. or reading books on, you know, these things that interest you, when you actually need to finally hit that, get the idea, you can act on it. Not, okay, now I've got the idea. Now I need to kind of go back and try to figure this stuff out. You can just take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many people I meet almost on a weekly basis that are going, oh, like, why bother go to events? Like, obviously, um, I saw you at one of the Melbourne startup um, pitch nights as well Mm -hmm. too and going to these sorts of events even if you don't have the idea but to still start to because you'd be amazed how much you pick up and obviously like you said how much all of a sudden that that just passive listening all of a sudden you go oh I've got this Mm -hmm. I can do this I don't have to figure it out I can just go with it so I think that's something Mm. that's so important yeah because this week in startups like they have heaps of they had heaps of episodes of people actually pitching and then the investors giving them feedback so without even realizing it I'm learning how to pitch sort of and you know knowing what investors are going to ask and things like that you know so yeah 
Absolutely. So you kind of mentioned this already. So obviously you're looking at international expansion, but mm-hmm. obviously we, we, we sit here and we got obviously big things happening for DCC. What, what do you sort of see as those next sort of steps for both the business and even yourself? Yeah. So I think, um, well, DCC 2018 will be the number one job platform for women in Australia. And I think we're going to see companies making big shifts to be able to advertise with us because we already are seeing that now. And it's almost like if you're not on our platform, it's a bit embarrassing. Like, do you not support women? Are you not a good place to work? Um, so we're going to drive that change. But then uh, Singapore, so I have got a trip over there um, this month actually. And then it will most likely be the UK um, and US, but certainly there's global expansion. And we've also got some software um other software products being developed, um, which I can't talk too much about, but um, we've had, yeah, software engineering company doing that for us, which has got some cool things, predictive analytics and gamification and built to help with company's diversity initiatives. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Kind of weird. We talked about this before we recorded the podcast, but I want to kind of ask it again as well, too. So having uh, having sort of sitting here, gone looking back on your journey a little bit, um, <laughs> did you ever think that you would um, that you'd be where you are? um so well when I first started the business like well just before I started the business when I had the idea I probably thought I would be further than where I am now I had like oh two and a half years I'll have like 10 million (laughs) dollars in the bank and you know um but then in the first year I was probably hit harder than oh my god actually pretty hard (laughs) doing this um so I in the first year I never thought we would have been where we are today and now I just couldn't be happier um it's really like a dream come true and the business is growing it's thriving um you know and the investors who told us that oh what do you know I completely changed their tune now (laughs) um and yeah but seeing the difference that we're making for um just everyday women um is just amazing yeah if you can go back and give yourself one piece of advice that you think, maybe maybe you're not saying that it would have revolutionized the business to be 10 times bigger, but maybe mm. would have made the journey, I don't want to say easier, but would have made it maybe a little bit more, um, a little less anxiety-ridden, I guess, kind of thing. Maybe what, what bit of advice you made you would you have given yourself? Something internal, mm. something not about the business, but about about the journey yeah it would definitely be just look at the big picture and don't focus because what is happening today will not be there tomorrow so i think at this point obviously just keeping cognizant of your time we should probably jump into our uh, our rapid fire questions you ready to go yeah excellent so the first question is is what book has most changed your life and i'd love if you could place us as to where you read it and what context did it change everything okay um so with this, this isn't my favorite book, but your question was what book changed your life? So I'm going to answer the question as it was asked and not say what my favorite book is, but um, it was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Classic. Yeah, I yep, know. I, I did. Yes. <laughs> so cheesy as well. But I read that book and it changed the way I communicated with people, which dramatically changed how I performed in my job, which was a sales job. And, you know, obviously the core of it is all about listening and mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, yeah, I think that that definitely helped. And it was when I was in recruitment in the UK that I actually read that book. Absolutely. What's your favourite book? 
Oh, I've got so many. So I really love, um, I actually really love Tools of Titans, which is very new. And I put little notes. Have you read it? Because you're a Tim Ferriss fan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Fan. It's like there's lots of like um, post-it notes in that. But I also love Ryan Holiday a lot. Have you read much of his stuff? Oh, actually, Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. <laughs> yes. His podcast, Revisionist History. I haven't I lis- listened to it. He is... The, the, it's amazing, Gemma. Okay. Honestly, biggest recommendation. Okay. Folks, you hear it here first, YT Podcast. <laughs> it's amazing. He is he is a phenomenal narrator. Even just listening to his narration, absolutely brilliant. Like, okay. that's amazing. Yeah. I will, I'll do that then because I've read three of his books and yeah. all three, Tipping Point, Outliers, and Blink. Yeah. Oh my god! All three of them like were so good. Um, so yeah, so those are my favorite authors. And Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy, and Obstacle is the Way. I've Obstacle read those is the two. Way, absolutely. Really Actually, good. I think that would be my answer to this question. Mm. Is because and again for me the context is reading that book um, was really really pivotal in terms of the time. I'll go through it now, but having just that sort of reshaping of mm-hmm. challenges and whatnot, and sort of the stoic um, yeah philosophy of it. Actually, it's one mm. of my tattoos. Is sort of. Not it's sort of linked back to mm-hmm. the idea of it as well too. So um, anyway, <laughs> um, so who's been the greatest influence on your life growing up? And it could be somebody you didn't know or some other prominent figure. Um, I think it's probably just oh, this sounds so cheesy too, but um, just my mum and dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome. No, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I think I just always felt like loved and supported by them, so I could you know achieve things i don't think there was really one prominent figure actually maybe it even could be faith who at redify you know the reason why i saw myself being able to you know step up and achieve different leadership roles but i think on a whole i've drawn inspiration from so many different places it's and people it's really hard for me to pinpoint just one um yeah excellent um what gives you a disproportionate return on investment of your time and energy? Mm-hmm. This is doing taking 10 minutes out in the morning or at night to either meditate, well, yeah, to meditate or maybe journal or something like that. And the reason why is because if I do it before bef- that, before I go to bed, I have a good night's sleep. Mm. The next day I'm on fire. If I do it in the morning, clear mind, you know, everything, the same thing. Absolutely. So, do you have a particular journaling practice that you use? Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do this, but I literally just write whatever comes into my mind and mm. usually about one page or one and a half pages, you know, so not very long and it's quite incoherent as well like I was reading sometimes I read it back um and it will jump from like one thing to another it doesn't it just it really if anyone read it they'd probably think I was just just a complete weirdo I don't know but it really helps just get thoughts you know out Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to just endorse this as well too like I started doing this on sort of a semi casual basis mm-hmm. um about Probably actually I read Obstacles the Way and just a mm-hmm. Google Doc, like Google on the phone, sitting on the tram, punch it out. And it's amazing when you, yeah, you go back and read things and you, and you start to become really mindful of the things. You start to notice mm-hmm. trends as well, too. And it's amazing. You can be in a bit of a crappy mood and you can write it down. And I think it kind of comes back to me, sort of the exercise you talked about earlier. When you sort of look above, you kind of take yourself out mm-hmm. of it and look down. You can kind of go, oh, really, is that what's kind of bugging me or is that is that what's on my mind? It's amazing to all of a sudden put your finger on and go, Oh, okay, I see. I see what that is, and I need mm. to get rid of it, or rethink it, or address it, or but just 
do something with it. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I actually handwrite mine because I don't want a, the device near my bed at night. Really? Yeah, yeah, which I yeah, but a Google Doc would be good because you'd be able to like refer back to stuff. I think a lot easier than yeah, just the notepad. No, yeah. but I have heard there's like the psychology behind actually writing it out is different. Mm. It, it activates a different part of our brain as well too. And what that actually means, I'm not sure, but it's supposed to actually be better. And um, specifically around actually like writing goals out as well too, mm-hmm. not just to type it out, but to actually like physically write it out the action of doing it it's supposed to have a a more impactful way yeah yeah excellent um what mantra or inspirational quote uh, excuse me what mantra or inspirational quote has most changed your life and why and where did you first hear it um so I heard this quote actually when I was around 18 as well and it was um some people I think it's some people want things to happen some people wish it things would happen other people's make things would happen Mm. others make things happen michael jordan um yeah classic (laughs) quote i know but it's you know i'm trying to answer these questions honestly like not that i think it's the most profound quote that i've ever heard now but um but definitely back then it yeah it motivated me like some people make things happen make it happen pick up the phone get that interview with the hr manager or whatever it might be yeah absolutely but no i think that's important though too that i mean how often like even I'm bad for it too. You you do something and you go, gosh, I really hope this works out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean that that's good and that's it's important to have a bit of hope. But there's also if you look at the statistics of it happening, if I actually go do it, mm-hmm. then at least there's something to be, you know, there's a higher percentage of it, or at least doing something and then learning something out of two. So even if it fails, mm-hmm. what did you learn out of it instead of just sitting there and hoping it would happen? So mm-hmm. excellent. Um, this is a new question, so the first time you're hearing it on the podcast. But if you could give a 20-minute TED Talk or some other speech on something you're not well-known for, um, but maybe something of a hobby or of interest, what would it be and why? Um, well, it's not really a hobby or an interest, but I would give the TED Talk on resilience, um, and I don't think I'd be really known for that. And the reason why, I think, is it's been like when I was growing up, I – my I moved from England to Australia, but I didn't just move from England to Australia. I went from England to Perth to Melbourne to Brisbane, um, and I went to five different high schools in that time. A very very challenging where I had to bounce back again. I've also had um, quite some significant hardships actually happen in my family where I've had to bounce back again, and then the resilience coming back into it. You know, going to workplaces and feeling pushed down, and then coming back up, and then. I think, you know, that's something that I've always done, I've always had, but maybe probably haven't really spoken about, but um, I would love to do a TED Talk on that. I'm kind of curious, coming back to what I mentioned earlier too, about resilience, I think it's incredibly Mm. important, and um, I know Jason Price spoke about it, I want to say it's... um, Renee Brown and Grit, I think. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, are your thoughts around resilience? Is it, is it something you can cultivate? Something you mm-hmm. obviously you believe, sorry, how do, how, do you think, how do you think people can cultivate resilience in their life? Well, it's a really interesting question. And I don't know what the answer to that is. I think because I think my resilience comes from having so many challenges at a younger age um and bouncing back from those it's sort of maybe that has sort of been ingrained in me but I certainly think it is something that you can practice maybe it's about putting things into perspective um and just I don't know googling it (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, fair enough. Google it. Google how to be resilient and then do it. And then do it. But that's the key part. Don't just Google it. Actually do do it. it. Make it happen. Absolutely. I don't know. That's the whole whole quote that inspired this podcast is that if if information is the answer, we'd all be billionaires with ads. And most of the information is a Google search away. But information is irrelevant and we don't do anything with it. So. so you might have already kind of touched this already, but love if you could take us through just a little bit of your morning routine. What um, you ready for the day? Yeah, so I wake up in the morning. Um, Good start, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I don't feel awake, but the first thing that I do is go and have a shower, and then <laughs> and then after that, I actually read a passage out of the Daily Stoic, and then which you may have heard of if you're a fan of audio book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got the the written, so I, I read that, and then um, I do actually some stretches and some body weight stuff, and then I make myself breakfast. And while I'm making breakfast, I listen to a podcast, and it's different every time I listen to the podcast. And then that actually, and then whenever I finish my breakfast, I turn my podcast off, and either I'll um, uh, get ready. Oh, actually, if I'm doing my makeup, I'll leave my podcast running while I do my makeup. <laughs> um, or, or I'll just if I'm, if I'm working from home, you know, I'll flip the laptop off, turn it off, and then start work. So, do you have any recommendations for our uh, podcast listeners at home in terms of what some top ones that you subscribe to? Well, why to? And but obviously, and Tim Ferriss. I think mm-hmm. we've spoken about that a few times today. Um, this week in startups, um, I actually really love that one, and he's really ramping up on it too because he's just had a book release called Jason Calacanis, a book called Angel. So he's really trying to promote that. So his podcasts are like coming out like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> there's also um, entrepreneurial thought leaders with Stanford Business school they have some really good people present in there sometimes um there's a couple of other ones actually um oh sometimes (laughs) this one's probably not very interesting actually but i listen to the policy shop which is government policy and things like that (laughs) what do you listen (laughs) well i i mix it up a bit sometimes i listen to like asx and business insider as well and this government policy because it just when I'm finding like what I'm doing now, I'm speaking to so many different people and to just to have little bits mm. of knowledge around their world helps me dramatically, you know, build some sort of relationship or just understand them better. So, and then I don't know why sometimes I just get really interested in the policy shop. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah or sometimes I might switch it off if it's like really boring but um but those yeah um and the the financial times sometimes I listen to running your own business to I want to be up to date on what's happening economically mm. um but yeah but the first ones I said listen to those ones absolutely yeah, I think I had to double check my subscription with you in there I haven't listened including policy gotta check that one no out. don't do it don't do it <laughs> excellent I, yeah. I suppose one last quick question um I suppose looking at obviously talking about your journey and all the things you've learned and all the things you've gone through, mm-hmm. obviously a podcast is for the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur, mm. the entrepreneur. But I suppose if you could give one piece of advice, one thought, one parting kind of idea to the people listening, wherever they may be in their journey, um, something that maybe for yourself is something you wish you, you'd heard or you think is really important or even something you see um, that the people around you on their journeys could, mm-hmm. uh, could probably value a lot from. What maybe one thing would you... Uh, part to them I think I'd probably say you can do it and no matter 
you know, whether you, you know, you might be like, oh, as soon as I get to here, you know, then I'll be qualified to be able to do this thing. And I think that you just need to have belief in yourself and go for it. If you fail, it doesn't matter. Um, Pick yourself back up, try again, try a different way ask people for help. But no matter what, if you believe in something or not enough, you will find a way to be able to do that. That has been my philosophy for the last, you know, however many years throughout my whole career, I've never let, except for that time at Optus, you know, things (laughs) sort of keep me back and it has always worked out in my favour. So, and, you know, I'm no Einstein, so anyone can do it if I can do it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Gemma, on that, thank you so much for coming in today. And obviously uh, being a part of the YT podcast journey, I obviously um, for all everybody listening, where can they kind of stay up to date and uh, what you're doing and um, all the exciting things happening at DCC? Sure. So we're on all the social media channels. Our website is dccjobs.com. Um, we're on Twitter at DCC underscore jobs, Instagram at DCC underscore jobs, Facebook DCC jobs. On Twitter, I'm at Gemlo, G-E-M-L-L-O. And, um, yeah, if you want to reach out uh, to me, my email is Gemma at dccjobs.com and happy to, if there's any female entrepreneurs that want any advice, I'm happy to help. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and obviously I'll have links on everything in the show notes and whatnot, but uh, Gemma, thank you so much for coming on. You're an absolute inspiration to obviously the female entrepreneurs and I think <laughs> entrepreneurs in general out there. So uh, best of luck. Have a safe trip to Singapore and uh, I look forward to a future round too. Thank you. Thank you, Dustin. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and thank you again for joining me for today's chat. Please make sure you jump on Facebook to quickly like and share this podcast episode. If you're not already following me, please take another quick minute to hit that like button so you can stay up to date with all new podcast episodes, exciting announcements, and other things going on. You can find me on Facebook at Project Y2, that's at Project Y and the number two. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn if you're there. Don't forget to share and rate this on wherever you find your podcast episodes, and I look forward to having you join me again for our next Y2 podcast.